Amen. So this, this week we were at Rodeo Bible Camp, at C, Bar C Rodeo Bible Camp, and uh, it was, I don't know, the first day anyway, I was helping with the, the kids and their roping, uh, calf roping, and these kids came out and they were eager and excited, and I, I'm not sure how many of them had practiced that much, but anyway, the calves were not as excited to get out of the chute as these kids' horses, and so several of them their horses, as that calf came out and kind of trotted out there nice and slow, there they went with their horse and they had to come back and try to gather up and go after the calf. And finally the calf gets a picture and takes off. And, uh, you know, it got me to thinking about um, how a lot of times we uh, overshoot the Lord. We we don't wait on the Lord or we, we go looking for other things and we just get out there in a, in a very excited way in a hustle or a tussle and, and try to get out there and do things our way. And it's important for us to sit back and realize we oftentimes we don't like to get out and do what the Lord wants us to do. We get shy and we want to hide behind our little sister or our mom. And it can be very hard. And so we sit back and other times we get out there and we're just going to do it our way. We take off down the arena or down in, in life. We take off and we're doing things, 9-0, doing it the best we can. But we're not doing it the, way, the Lord's way. And we're not resting in either situation it's hard to sit and simply trust in the sufficiency of Christ. And so, I'd like to make uh, th- this a brief entry or intro into uh, how we shouldn't overshoot the Lord and how Colossians speaks to the sufficiency of Christ and how the, God's grace uh, is sufficient. And sometimes it's too simple for us, you know, and we want to sprinkle other things into our faith. And sometimes we just don't want to wait on the Lord. And so we're going to go to Colossians. If you'd turn to Colossians with me this morning. In Colossians, they were still learning about who they were as followers or believers in Jesus. Therefore, they were still needing to remember Jesus is not only who they no, but he is who defines them. Who defines them as a group. Who define, He is who the one who defines them as individuals. And therefore, he is not only all and in all, but he is totally sufficient. And so, this morning as we get into the Word, hopefully as we study Colossians, one of the truths we'll learn is to simply wait in the Lord simply to trust in Him and, and not be so eager that we miss His great importance, the great importance of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the great importance of the sufficiency of Christ, that He is totally sufficient. And so today, we're going to begin by looking at you know, how God's Word encourages us to walk in our sufficient Savior. God's Word encourages us to walk in in our sufficient Savior. Now sometimes that walk in is that relationship with Jesus. It doesn't mean that He won't want us to run to do His will. Sometimes it means He wants us to stand to do His will. 
Sometimes waiting is harder than the running. But in all of it, we're walking that is having a relationship with our, our more than sufficient Savior. And so we're going to try to begin by looking at both, both the overview of Colossians and here in verse 1 and 2, the introductory greeting here in Colossians. And so first, let's view the generalities or, you know, uh, you want to be congenial when you meet someone, right? You want to say, hi, how are you doing? And if they don't know your name, you want to say, well, this is, this is my name and how are you doing? And you maybe talk about the rain a little bit. Here we go with the introduction, the greeting, some of that. We find some of that. Paul is pointing out that he's writing to them for a specific reason here later on, but he wants to greet them. He is an apostle. Here, let's read it. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are of Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. And some translations include the later manuscripts and our Lord Jesus Christ. And so here in this passage, we get into the generalities. That is the introductory greeting. And as we look at it again, all of it points to God's Word, encourages us to walk in our sufficient Savior. And so let's get into the outline of the passage. And verses. And so when we get into the outline, let's see where I have it. All right. You can simply list it down or you can make a, a Bible uh, book outline and try to... And, Try to get a general idea of what's the book talking about. And so as you read through, and oftentimes it's good to read through the passage, especially if it's a smaller book of the Bible, to read through it two or three times. And read through it in one setting. And as you sit down and you begin to read it, you can mark out, well, here's it. Here's, you can look at it. A lot of Bibles, you can more easily tell which one uh, the, the translators think is a paragraph. Uh, where it begin, a thought begins, a thought ends, a different topic, where a different topic begins, uh, where all of this fits in together within the paragraph, and you can start making out these little outlines, these little words, and you can put it in a, uh, a little graph like I did here, a little table that is. And so in the, the outline of the letter, and you don't have to go with what I think it is, and I, I kind of look at other uh, People who've studied the book and uh, their outlines and sometimes your Bibles, right? With my Bible, it has introduction. Same thing, greetings, one, verses 1 and 2, and then it breaks down the next uh, from 3 to 8, and then 9 to 14 are two different uh, breakdowns within the introduction. I have it broken down into one, okay? Or two, that is, verses 1 and 2, and then 3 and 4. And so the, the greeting and introduction in verses 1, 1 through 14, and then in verses 1, 15. And one, verse 1, 15 is a key element or key doctrinal truth. Okay? And so we begin to look at doctrinal teaching after the greeting. Does that mean there's no doctrine in the introduction? No, there sure could be some some instruction, some doctrine, some right teaching. 
But here, the right teaching should lead to the right thinking or the proper understanding of the passage and breakdown of the passage or what the passage is telling us should lead to the right thinking. And so we can, some will split up the doctrinal and the practical that is in this book, in this letter. That is, when we look at here, you could go from verses 1 uh, 10 or 115, I must put down the wrong number up there on, in my hurry to put, make a, a chart or a table, but 115 to 4.6, you could put that all together as doctrine and teaching and have three breakdowns, right? Or you might have different verses where you start, hey, this is more practical. And the practical, that is, is, is how it leads to the right living. How are you going to live out what you've just learned? So some, some here have chapters 2 and 3 together. Some take it by chapter. And you might just, as you make an outline, say, I'm going to go chapter 1, it's one thing, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4. The whole idea is not that you get it right, but that you learn. <laughs> okay, Because you should get it right in interpreting Scripture, but sometimes the breaking down it into it Breaking it down into an outline can be difficult. And there's Bible students that don't agree where it will start, where it will end, from one outline summary to the next. And then, in, so put down in verse, chapter 4, verse 7 through 18, the final remarks in chapter 2, 6 through 4, 6, the right living. And within that is the new self, Right? Put on the new self. You have new life in Christ. Um, but some would stop at the end of chapter 3, with chapter 4, verse 1, uh, being a part of the final remarks. Uh, but here we see some more practical living, and he is summing it up. A lot of times you'll find Paul at the end of his letter trying to say, okay, these are some final thoughts. You, this is how your Christian conduct should be because of your faith in Jesus Christ and how you've been made new, how you have a new life in Christ. So these are some more other, other things that should be indicative or a part of your life. And so he'll make a final list of different things. But I put that into the right living. And, and so... When we do all this, though, another important aspect of a Bible study is trying to not only get an outline or a view of how the book is put together, okay? That's the whole idea when you do an outline, is what is in this book. And it should lead to maybe a couple of good ideas, key ideas, major thoughts, okay? But next you can put down the key idea. And for us today, uh, the key idea is the sufficiency of Christ. And, and to spell it out is right doctrine about God, the grace of God through Jesus the Messiah and Lord. And that is when you understand the sufficiency of Christ, it should lead to not only the right thinking, but the right living. Have you, you've heard the statement. Stinking thinking leads to stinking living, right? Right thinking should lead to right living. And so doctrine is always practical. And so while we have, I have it separated from the doctrine to the practical, the doctrine should lead to the right practice, the right living. Key verse. There could be several key verses. 
Chapter 1, verse 15, where it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things, in verse 16, by Him all things were created, both in heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. Okay? He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together or consist. He goes on to teach and preach that Jesus Christ is King, right? He is supreme. Not only is He sufficient, but He is supreme. He is the, uh, the one that we ought to bend the knee to and everything here is made for Him. Not just by Him, but for Him. Do we have that mindset? But that could be a key verse, right? Another key verse that many, and I agree, would be uh, at the top of the list is chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. For in Him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in Him you have been made complete. And He is the head over all rule and authority. Again, who is in control? Jesus. Who should we follow? Jesus. Right? How are we made complete? In Christ. We all know this, right? That's pretty easy. Yeah, I've known that since I was knee-high to a grasshopper, Pastor Lee. Well, how has that lived out in your life? Does it change things? That's, these are also watershed verses. And so, let's see what Paul is saying here in Colossians. And all of it leads to the sufficiency of Christ and how we ought to walk in Him even from the very beginning in the introduction. So let's break down the introduction this morning. And so we have the introductory greeting. And what we find here is that Paul and it mentions Timothy are the writers. Right? Paul is the writer. And some would suggest that that it is not written in this typical uh, style, and they question, well, was it somebody writing under the name of Paul? We go back to the reality that Scripture is inspired by God. This is a part of Scripture, part of the canon, a part of what we believe. And what does it say later in the chapter of Colossians? That throws out all arguments to say, well, was it really Paul? I mean, and it's good to evaluate those questions and look them over. But look at uh, verse 16, I believe. Chapter 4, verse 16. When this letter is read among you, have it also read in the church of Laodiceans. And Oh wait, verse 18, sorry. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my imprisonment. Grace be with you. We find in, in other passages that Again, everything was accepted that was taught here as well. Therefore, we have to agree. It is Paul who wrote this. And, and so, who are the recipients? The Colossians and the passage I just read. Did you listen? Even though I was in the wrong verse, verse 16. He wants it to be read to the Laodiceans as well. 
It wasn't just for the Colossians. It's not just for the Laodiceans. It's for all of us to understand what is God teaching these people? What is He teaching us? What does He want us to know? And therefore, all Scripture, right, is profitable for teaching, for instruction, for doctrine, okay? For all of our lives, for every aspect of our life. And so it's important for us to see this is for the Colossians and that helps give us, gives us a little bit of context there. Uh, and I can't remember if last week we got into some of it, but in modern day Turkey, uh, there's a lot of information there in the Lycus Valley. Uh, they were an important part in a lot, uh, of a trade route, you know. They were a bigger place. And then the, the route kind of went a little different. Maybe, you know, the railroad kind of shut down a little bit and the town started to die a little bit. But it was still significant. It had a large portion. I'm just throwing a little bit, you know, we say North Platte's kind of dying out a little bit. It happens throughout history where, where trade routes and, and different locations rise and they fall. New York has a lot of people exiting New York, right? California. Demographics change. But here at the time it was written, it still was a pretty decent sized city. It had a large population of Jewish people. And that's when we get into this passage, we'll see why they're dealing with some of the doctrinal issues they're dealing with. But coming back to the introduction, uh, we find that he is writing to them. He's writing to them and he says, grace and peace to you. He writes in the name of the Lord to them, right? By the will of God, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ. Okay, He's writing to them by the will of God. Not just that he was a proclaimer of the gospel to them, but he is someone who is continuing to proclaim the message even by letter to those who need to understand and be shored up to be encouraged and strengthened by the Word of God through even written Word. But this letter comes with grace and peace. It is God's unmerited favor to have bestowed this letter to them and for us to read. The gospel of God's grace brings us who believe into peace with God. The Lord, correct? May God's grace be upon you. It's a good word. May His unmerited favor continue to shine upon you. May you continue to feel how blessed you are by His mercy and His love for you that you did not earn, but He has given it to you. Colossians. Church at Tulane. God loves you and He cares greatly for you and He has a plan for you. There's a lot placed within that greeting of grace and peace and we're brought into peace with the Lord God. And You know, part of a Christian walk, if you do not experience the grace, joy, the joy and the peace of God, we need to ask ourselves, how is my walk? Now, peace can be there in the presence of turmoil, can't it? Can you have a sense of peace during great difficulties? Yeah, right? Have you ever wondered why many believers struggle? Especially believers who are really trying to serve the Lord. Because we have an enemy. 
If we're at peace with God, we're at war with the enemy. And so we have to make sure we sort out all the feelings and understand, have I been brought into a right relationship with the Lord God? And do we, I understand that there will be a battle when I seek to do His will. How easy was it for Paul? It was difficult. He had many battles that he had to fight. But he did experience the grace and peace from God his Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. As we make our way through the this, this study of Scripture here in this passage, it should lead us to understanding that God's Word encourages us to continue in that walk with our sufficient Savior, understanding that we've received grace and we have peace with Him. We need to rest in Him and hope in Him and try not to jump ahead of Him, right? Try to walk with Him. Well, second, let's, let's get into this passage a little more. Kind of get past the introductory greetings, some of the generalities. Let's get into here what it means for the people of God, what it means for us. And what it means for us is that we have a foundation. Okay? We have a foundation. It says in this passage, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Not by Paul's will, but by the Lord's will. He was brought into the family of God by his faith after he had been awakened on the road to Damascus, right? What an experience that must have been. Granted, most of us have, very few of us have grand, um, extreme experience of conversion. But we do have an experience of where we're made new in the Lord. Here Paul was not only brought into the fam- family of God, but he was made an apostle of Christ Jesus, commissioned by God. And he often starts out many of his letters either that he is an apostle of Christ by the will of God, or that he's a bondservant of the Lord God, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here he says he's an apostle. Ephesians 3.8, Paul says he was the, the least of the apostles, but he's still an apostle. He's commissioned by the Lord to, to take the message of the gospel to the world at large. But even though he was one of the least, he was still an apostle commissioned to do that. Ephesians 2.19-22, you might write that down in your notes. The church is built upon what? We're built upon the corners, chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ who is the head. Jesus Christ who is our leader. But we're also built upon the foundation of the prophets and the apostles who proclaim the message of the gospel and how we are to live out our newness in Christ, our new life in Christ. And so our foundation is the Word of God brought first delivered to us by the apostles and prophets. Teachers and preachers who have proclaimed the Word of God were built up in them, through them, to be a solid church. That is, we are the living stones. Another illustration there in Ephesians and 2 Peter What's our position? So our foundation is the Word of God. Our foundation is the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and our position is as a brotherhood. Look at verse 2. To the saints and faithful brethren. Isn't it interesting when we get into this passage, even though they were dealing with a struggle and, and the difficulties of the doctrine, of uh, some of the doctrines that they, they had to get right, that they're still called saints and faithful brethren, even though they were dealing with many issues. But our position is a brotherhood. We are in Christ, right? We're going to learn that here in, in Colossians. Jesus Right? John 14.6 said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the one in which we enter through into this family of God. We are in Him. He is the door to eternal life. And He is the door into this family. And we are saints. We are set apart. We are brought into this family, set apart by Him. For him, right? Not only were we made by the Lord, but we are for the Lord, for his glory. Sometimes that's a very difficult concept to have and retain through the difficulties of the week. We're set apart. One of the illustrations we have, many of us, you know, we don't put on our fancy duds to go out and slop around in the, the corrals. Don't put our fancy duds on to go out and work in the grease or mow the lawn. What happens if you mow the lawn in your fancy duds? You get grass probably all over them, right? Somebody's laughing like they've done that. But we're set apart for Christ like we set apart our fancy duds for the special occasions. Our calling... What's our calling? So our position is in Him. Our position is as a family of God. We are brothers and sisters here. Our position is set apart for His glory. Our calling to be loyal to God as faithful brethren. Brothers uh, with one another. Brothers with Paul and Timothy. Brothers and sisters, that is, right? Faithful though not perfect. How many of us would think, that's, that's, you know, when sometimes it's easy to look at others and say, well, why aren't they coming to church? And, and you talk to them and say, well, I had this problem, I had this problem, and I didn't feel like I could. <laughs> right? The song, Just As I Am, not only come to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ just as you are, but as brothers and sisters in Christ, we come to church just as we are sometimes. Sometimes we don't have, have the time to sit down and pray through all the difficulties of the week, all of our failings. But we need to come. Sometimes we get bucked off a horse one day, and the next day we've got to get up and come to church, right, Evelyn? As sore as we are. Or we have a grand, fun party and as tired as we are. But we come to hear the Word of God. We come to encourage one another in the Lord. Hopefully we take our fellowship together seriously. Our fellowship with the Lord seriously. And then as we get into Colossians, we will see to put on the new self. 
not the old, as faithful. We continue to put on the new self. We continue to stand in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that He forgives us, but He wants our constant attention. He wants us to admit our failures to Him. It's far different if we clam up, right, in any relationship. We have feelings and we have struggles and we have failings and we clam up and we don't talk about it. Than to say, hey, darling, I'm struggling here. This is a difficulty for me here. Those are two vastly different things. God wants us, the Lord Jesus wants us to be in communion with Him, talking through the pain, the failings, the problems, the hurts, the difficulties. And the Lord does want us to come share those with one another as well. The Lord wants us to come and pray for one another. The Lord wants us to come and encourage one another. But not to remain in the old flesh or the old self, but to put on the new self and to grow together in Him. And so our calling is loyalty to the Lord God, which means a continual walk with Him, whether we fall down at intervals or not. And there should be this constant growth in Him, right? That is completely different than someone who is walking away from the Lord. We don't admit that we don't look and think that we are perfect. We understand our failings and we still come. We also come knowing that none of us are perfect. Our resources, again, grace and peace. Right? God's unmerited favor towards us. God's peace in our lives. And the challenge I want to give you this morning as we round up uh, this passage just a little bit is that we wouldn't settle for a cheap imitation. Cheap imitation of God's Word. Going to other sources for encouragement and strength. A cheap imitation of what God has placed us in. Not going elsewhere for comfort. I mean, we can. I'm not saying you shouldn't. But that we do come together as a family, church family. I need a couple young kids to come up here. I have this wonderful drink that I want to share with you. Who's, who's up? I'm all right. Anybody else? Well, that one, hopefully, I didn't just pound it. Will you share with your brothers? Okay. All right. I got three. Maybe we should. You want me to open this for you? Are you excited? Does it look good? It doesn't? I mean, look at that. That looks good. It even says, aha. Hopefully this isn't bad advertisement. Here, you want to wipe off the mouthpiece there? You just have to promise me one thing, kids, and I hope this doesn't give it away. Don't spit it out. It smells good. Oh, it does smell good. You want to share with your sister? Here, open it up there, Lainey. Let's all take a drink. Come here, Jasmine. Here, stand up. Let's see. 
Stand here, and here you guys go. Go ahead and take a drink when you're ready, and tell me what you think. Is that good pop? What do you think? What? Here. Here. You guess? You like it? Oh, good, good. We have one taker. What do you think? Did you try it, Violet? What do you think about it? It tastes bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Lainey, have you tried it? What do you think? I don't like it. <laughs> Why? I don't know. What well, does it smell good? Kind of. Yeah, I think it smells real. Does it smell good? <laughs> Here, you guys, did you take a sip? Let's get your, your verdict of it. What'd you think, Maverick? It was awesome. It was awesome? You just moved down the list. No, I'm just teasing. You wouldn't move down my list. Did you get Same a drink? Thing. Huh? Same thing. You thought it tasted good? Take a bigger drink. A lot. I took a big drink and it was so awesome. How's the taste? Still awesome. Okay. <laughs> I figured that probably happened. You guys... Okay, you can go on out and enjoy your drink in the fellowship hall if you want. Hey, come here, girls. Let's see. I got to, we can't end on their report, okay? They're bad. Come here. So, did you take another big drink? What did you think now? Is it stay, the same or did it change? Uh, the same. Is it the same? What do you think about it? I like it. <laughs> I thought you said you didn't. What do you think? Bad. It's bad. Why? Because I don't like it. Okay. All right, you girls can go. Try not to Laney, what any last thoughts for us? Still don't like it. Still don't like it. Why? Here. Um I just don't like it. <laughs> Is there much taste? No. No, but it's it has a good smell, right? Yeah, I guess. It's bubbly? Mm-hmm. Did do you like the bubbles? Yeah. Okay. The bubbles are about the only thing to it. For some of us who like taste, we're de- and they're out enjoying their drink. <laughs> it's a cheap imitation. Of course, it's made to have zero sugars, zero calories. And so it's one of those, it wants you to think it's pop, but it's not. And so I'm like, well, let's just get rid of it. Let's give it to some innocent kids and let them drink it. <laughs> and the... The idea here is, and whether it's cheap or not, is not to have something that imitates and tries to take the place, we try to put in place of Christ. Okay? And when you get through Colossians, you'll see that there were some struggles that they were having, resting in the full grace and peace of God. And sometimes we look at the gospel, it's too simple, but it's not simple when we get into it. When we walk with Jesus, sometimes we want things written out line for line, what we should be doing, what we shouldn't be doing. And there are places in Scripture that says, don't do these things. But then there's other areas where we have to be walking in the Spirit with the Lord constantly to know what He wants, and we have to rest in His sufficiency. And that is really hard. But it may seem too simple, right? Because it's not all about the do's and don'ts. It's about the walk with Jesus Christ. And if we get out 
full barrels, running 9-0, not willing to wait on the Lord, that's not walking with Him. If we're sitting back because we're scared of things, we're going our own way and and just waiting because we're scared of things, that's not resting in the sufficiency of Christ. We can buy into a lot of imitation sodas. Well, it's soda. It's got bubbly. But it has no taste. And even you can you can switch it a little bit, you know, sugars that are um I forget the word, but uh if you don't get the the fruit sugars, those are totally different and can uh they're they're empty calories. And so we have to know that Jesus Christ is who is sufficient. Don't settle for false religious ideologies or false ideas in our culture. They're all insufficient. They don't satisfy. They don't satisfy. Cheap imitations don't satisfy. We should walk in Him. We need to cling to the Lord. Again, just don't search and seek the cheap imitations. Instead, walk in your sufficient Savior. Walk with Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your your mercy and Your grace. We ask that You would guide and direct us. Um, We know you, You seek to guide and direct us. Oftentimes, we're unwilling to wait or we're unwilling to follow. Lord, we don't want to walk behind You so far that we don't know where You're going We don't want to walk in front of You unaware of what You're wanting us to do. We want to walk with You, Lord. Help us to be faithful servants willing to to do Your will daily. Willing to rest in Your truth, Your Word. Willing to rest in You. We ask, uh, Lord, that You would um, help us to be bold Help us to be brave and help us to be patient. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take up this morning's offering.